October 17th, 2009. This was the day of my wedding. This picture uh, isn't necessarily from my wedding, but uh, it, it makes my wife look better. Uh, so I, and it makes me look terrible. So I chose it. Um, this actually, uh, this is a great picture because it, it won the, the suit that I'm wearing is the suit that I wore when Molly and I left our wedding reception to head out on our honeymoon. At that point in time, and this picture was taken not too far from our, the date of our wedding. At that point in time, I was five foot nine inches. I still am five foot nine inches. <laughs> Nothing has changed there. Uh, 264 pounds, the heaviest I'd ever been. And those pants were a size 46 inch waist. Um, from as far back as I can remember, I've always been on the bigger side. My mom would say, oh, Matthew, you're just big boned. That was like a nice way of saying you're fat. (laughs) You're just big boned. I've tried Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, Slim Fast. I've been to the South Beach. It sucks. Um, I've been, I've lived in a cave amongst the Paleolithic people and eaten greens, nuts, and berries. It's okay. I've been low-carb, no-carb, low-fat, high-fat, no-sugar, all-sugar. I've tried being a member of a gym, hoping to get results with 20 minutes, just 20 minutes of effortless workouts three times a week, right? Been there, done that. Today, I'm 195 pounds and a 34-size pant waist. You all can see, I hope, if you, if you're not, if you can't see that, um, I'll, I'll exp- something's different. Uh, but if you can see, you can see that something has changed on the outside. Something physically has changed about you. You've lost a considerable amount of weight. Something's different. People have asked me, though, countless times, Matt, what's the secret? What have you done? What are you doing? I want some of it. Um, The funny part is, quite often, I think what they want me to say is something that equates to just do these two things in in between. You know, like... It's, it's not, it doesn't take that much work. Um, it's effortless. They asked me, what motivated you to change? That, 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 that opens us up to a, a better, I think, um, better question. Honestly, if I'm, if I'm really honest with you, it was, it was pain that motivated me to begin this journey. Uh, this morning, I promise you, I am not, this is not a message on how to lose 10 pounds in 10 days, okay? Um, uh, what, but it is about what worked for me. And it honestly doesn't really have much to do with the gym or with the food that I was consuming, kind of. But what motivated me to begin this journey was pain. You see, in the area of eating, I had bought into the school of thought 
This was so eloquently said and put by singer-songwriter, conga line master herself, Gloria Estefan, when she says, whatever it is your heart desires, please go for it. It's yours to have. And so that's what I did. I just kept on consuming. The reality was I wasn't getting any younger. My cholesterol, my blood pressure was on a trajectory that would lead me to be on medication the rest of my life. The brutal fact, the real fact, the fact, 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 the heart disease is a very real thing in my family. Uh, it's something I have to contend with, I have to deal with. My uncle is a marathon runner, the most fit man you'll ever see in your life. And he has a heart disease that is going to kill him. It's genetic. I had hit the ceiling. The pain of my situation was just simply too great. And I knew that I knew what I needed to do in order to change. And I was faced now with the decision, am I going to change or am I not going to change? Isn't that kind of true for each of us? When faced, when dealing with the pain of our reality becomes too much for us to bear, something must give, something must change. Listen to it this way. The dean of the medical school and the CEO, okay, this is like the top, the top dude, of Johns Hopkins University, Dr. Edward Miller, he tells this story. Take a listen. 600,000 people have bypasses every year in the U.S. And 1.3 million heart patients have angioplasty, all at a total cost of around $30 billion. You see, the, the, the procedure tempor- temporarily relieves chest pains, but rarely, rarely prevents heart attacks or prolongs lives. Around half of the time, the bypass grafts, they clog up in, in a few years. The angioplasties, but in a few months, many patients could avoid the return of pain and the need to repeat the surgery, not to mention arrest the course of their disease before it kills them by simply switching to a healthier lifestyle. Yet very few do. Very few do. If you look at the people after coronary artery bypass grafting, two years later, 90% of them have not changed their lifestyles. This is something that has been studied over and over and over again. And so we're missing some link here. Even though they know they have a very bad disease and they know that they should change, they should change their lifestyle. For whatever reason, they can't. That's like totally maddening. Think about it for a moment. You have this incredibly intense surgery. All the emotion, all the pain, the physical pain, the emotional pain. Your whole world gets totally disrupted. Some might even say turned upside down.
And when told, 100% of the people are told, change or die, 90% of them choose to die. And 10% choose to change. And Dr. Edward Miller, the dean and CEO, has no idea, for whatever reason, he says they can't, just can't change. Today, we're, I promise you, we're not, this is not a diet sermon, okay? If it was, I would be more concerned about how we change our physique instead of how we change our hearts. Not the th- kind of thing, I'm not talking about the thing that pumps blood the physical thing in our body. See, the kind of change that we're after transforms us from the inside. We can do things. We can utilize things like our bodies to engage our core. But you see, this kind of change, this change from the inside, it doesn't come without a consistent pursuit to change. It requires us to open up to the condition, the true, the real condition of our hearts. To learn how to guard our hearts from in order to guard them for. And we're going to get a little bit clearer on what we're guarding them from, what we're keeping them for. This, This summer, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs, which is a part of Old Testament wisdom literature. The series that we're concluding today is called Ride the Wave. And today we're looking at the words of a wise father to his son. We're looking at Proverbs 4, chapter 4, verse 23. It says this. You can, get, you can turn there, you can go there in your app, whatever you want. It's one verse. Just listen for a moment. Above all, above all, guard your hearts, for everything you do flows from it. Above all, guard your hearts, for everything you do flows from it. The big idea is kind of an adaptation of that. It's simply put like this. Everything you do flows from the heart, so guard it. That's where I'm choosing to put the emphasis Everything you do flows from the heart, so guard it. Do not let the brevity of this verse fool you. Oh, it's only one verse, Matt. What are you going to say about it? What is it? Really? One verse? Do not let the brevity of the verse fool you. The author of this proverb is offering us much wisdom contained within a few words. See, there's some implications here for us. First, the heart is very important. The writer says, above all else, guard the heart. The heart is very important. And it's got to be guarded from in order to be filled with. Dallas Willard says it like this. If we're going to care for something like the heart, we first must understand what the thing is that we're attempting to care for. Isn't that just simple yet profound? If we're going to care for the heart, or something like the heart, 
we, we first must understand it to care for it well. The heart is used in Scripture to refer to what is most central to the person and to the psychological activity. With the heart, we not only feel, love, and hate, but we also think, act, and remember. The heart represents the core of a person, the center of our thoughts, effect, and will. It is what we are most concerned about. It represents who we really are. Think about it like this for a moment. Uh, we're all going to strap on our day packs. So everyone, pretend like you're going to strap on your day pack with me. Even if you don't like hiking, get over it. We're going to go on a hike. All right? And we find ourselves in the forest. There's a beautiful stream. We've all taken notice. Beautiful stream that we find ourselves walking along. It's, 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 it's so pure. It's so clear. so clean. And together we journey just a bit, a bit more. We follow the stream to the very kind of headwater, the very source of where the little stream, the little brook comes from. And we get down, we look, and we notice together that the source of this stream is clean. It's pure. Everything flows out of that. This is like the heart, the source, the center. See, for everything flows from it. Now, we could very much choose in haste to uh, muddy or pollute that source. Then that would affect and infect the entirety of the stream. You see, so your heart is very much like that. What you take in affects what flows out. Everything we do flows from the heart. One of the things that I, there are so many things that we could probably talk about, but the one thing that I want to encourage us to guard our hearts from this morning is deception. And this is what I want to say about this. Do not be deceived. Sin wants to pollute. The core. It has, it can. We have to get really serious about that for a moment. Far too often, personally, I've lived in such a way as to believe, eh, that's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. Sin is what separates us from God. And sin is what separates us from the life that God intends for us. You see, my heart that has been formed apart from the love of God 
says this. Matt, you know everything. Matt, you're powerful enough. You're strong enough. You're good enough to experience real change. See, this heart says this. I don't need anyone except myself to change. I can do this life alone. That is not true. Do not be deceived. Doesn't this message somewhat mirror that of what happened in the garden between Adam and Eve and the Creator? He creates this, 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 this garden of beauty. Opportunity to flourish. To do life with. And it gets polluted. They sin. They live in opposition to the way it was intended to be. And then what happens? They cover and they hide. You know, most of my life, I've, I've hid from God, from the truth of God, the love of God, really, the comfort of God, by using food to comfort me. We, we, every one of us does it. We use something else other than the love of God to comfort. This is why, honestly, this is why I was so fat. I couldn't stop. I just kept on going and going and going and going. Comforting myself from the pain that was in my heart. I didn't realize this until a few years ago. Uh, Through much uh, counseling, uh, direction, friendships. Sometime in my life, early on, I bought into this message that only skinny people were loved, or they were loved more than fat people, overweight people. And somehow I had equated that to, well, then God loves them more than he loves me. So I better change that part of me. And when I'd fail in that journey every time, I'd just go back to something savory and delicious. I tried dieting. I worked out at the gym. When the scale and the mirror kept on reinforcing the message that nothing was significantly changing. I went back to food to comfort myself. You see, food wasn't, food wasn't the real problem. My weight was a problem. My issue, though, was on a totally different level. It was on a heart level. It always is. For everything we do flows from the heart. For everything we do flows from the heart. And since it was on a heart level, I, and I had to do some soul work. I had to hit the soul gym. And, and truthfully, this is a work that has continued. It's not like a one and done. Folks, your sin affects your heart. It pollutes. It distorts. 
Your sin speaks the message that you can do this life in your own strength and experience true transformation, happiness, and joy apart from the love of God and Jesus. Our vision of the good life is a joke. It's a joke. It says you can have it all, you can be it all, you can be all, earn more, faster, bigger, better, more, more, more. It's like in our pursuit to consume, we become consumed. You know, this is a distortion of the truly grand vision of life in Christ. This is the picture when Jesus says in John 15 to the apostles, he says, I am the true vine, the true vine. There, there's not like a slip of the tongue there. That, that's not like a, uh, I'm a vine or um, I'm, I'm one of the good vines. No, I am the true vine. Abide in me. Apart from me, you can do nothing. This is a place where the love of God can so wonderfully flow into our hearts. You've heard this before. And I know for some of you, it will come off very cliche. But listen, there is no love. There's no love that will ever satisfy. There is no love that will ever satisfy you like the love of Jesus. Sit in that for a moment. Nothing. I mean, you can do life in such a way as to seek out a love like that of God. For many of us, we do this in but it will never be the love of God. So the challenge becomes one in which we must guard our hearts from the need to be affirmed and loved apart from the love of God and Jesus. For myself and many in the faith, my concern is this. My concern is that we're totally unaware of how our hearts are really doing. We're totally unaware of how our hearts are really doing and the ways in which they are desperately seeking out, crying out to be loved apart from the love of God. Whether it's food, sex, money, status, control, whatever. A well-guarded heart, though, actively pursues the knowledge of self, and openly receives and rests in the knowledge and experience of the love of God for the person. A well-guarded heart actively pursues the knowledge of self, the truth of self, and openly receives and rests in the knowledge and experience of the love of God for the person. A well-guarded heart should be kept from deception. Guarded from deception. And kept for truth and love. For truth and love.
there's two activities, two disciplines. Prayer and engaging the heart against the truth of Scripture. For when you do this, when you engage in the truth, it should move something in you. The truth, the truth of God, the truth of self, should be the beginning of a conversation with God about what's really going on in your heart. Look, if your prayer life looks like this, dear Lord, thank you so much. It's been a wonderful day. It wasn't too difficult. It was really nice. Nobody got angry with me. Uh, it's all been candy canes and gun drops. And amen. I want to just gently and lovingly challenge you. That little dip in there, you talked about nobody getting angry at you, but then you skated off about to talk to God about candy canes and gumdrops. God may have something delightful, loving, challenging to speak to you about that. We want to guard our hearts from candy canes and gumdrops, even though they taste really good. Guard our hearts from that. In essence, the stuff that distracts us from what's really going on in our heart. To keep our hearts so that God can speak truth in love into us. This is a good thing. This is a transformative thing. And this is where change from the inside begins. Stop pretending in your prayer life. Be real. It's okay. A a wonderful way to begin, use the Psalms as a tutor to learn how to pray. The psalmist cries out, Why so downcast, O my soul? From the depths I cry out to you, O God. My days have been filled with sorrow. These words reflect, for some of us, the truth of what's really going on in our hearts. Use the Psalms as a tutor to learn how to pray honestly. The Scriptures are a wonderful place. I believe they contain a vision of what it looks like and means to live the Christian life with God well does not contain every answer to every question. But somebody just gave me a, oh my gosh, what? The scriptures contain a vision of what it looks like and means to live the Christian life with God well. And these are simple disciplines. They're beginnings. Yet they can have profound effects in the heart when we open up to the truth of God We open our our hearts to that and we begin to have conversations with him about what's really going on. You see, every time, honestly, I step onto an elliptical machine now, it sucks still. I hate working out. It is like, it just sucks. Is anybody there with me? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sucks. 
But it's a, it creates an opportunity in my pain and in my whining to ask God, Lord, show me why, why my heart is postured like this, why I think things like this, why I don't see this as a good, or why I can't see that this leads to a good. What's going on in my heart? Honestly, sometimes the stuff that's there isn't pretty. But instead of running away from the truth of myself, comforting myself with food, I continue to open my heart to be loved by God, the one who loves me. See, I, I, we must guard our hearts against this untruth and open our hearts. Open our hearts up for the love of God to be poured into it. For many years, I, I would have read this text and thought it was all up to me. Matt, guard your heart from sin, deception, and keep it. Keep it for good. I always thought, well, that was something I did on my own. But you see, there is a greater guardian. There is one who wants to do this with you. And his name is Jesus. This is God's one and his only son who came down to live among us, who showed us how to live the abiding life well, who was sent down to make a way for us through his death, through his resurrection, so that we could have true victory. Though Jesus is not with us physically today, he has left us a wonderful gift, the gift of his Holy Spirit. The gift of his Spirit to abide in and along with the Spirit of the Christian. Listen to these words, the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 8, when he says this, Romans 8, 9 through 13. You, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his, sin, because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. It's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Real change, folks, has happened in the believer when we awaken to this truth. Real change can happen in the believer when we awaken to this truth. The Holy Spirit helps in you to help you love God and to receive the love of God well. He desires to take every part of you that has been formed apart from him and transform it more into the image of his son, Jesus. This is a work that begins today, now, and moves into eternity. This is possible, and he wants to do it with you. Some next steps. Three ways. 
Maybe, because I understand that everyone is in different places in the journey. I get it. Maybe today, as we continue in worship, your prayer needs to resonate or look like this. Maybe you resonate with this. It needs to look like this. Lord, show me. Show me what's in my heart. A way in which you could begin to... might be by praying, again, the words of the psalmist found in Psalm 139, 23, and 24, where the psalmist prays, Search my heart, O God, and seek out any offensive way in me, and lead me the path everlasting. This is a powerful prayer. Because it postures us so that the truth of God, the truth, truth and love can begin. Truth can fill us, speak into what's really going on, and we can be filled with the love of God. Maybe you know, you know what's there. Just like me, you know, you, you knew very well. Mm. I'm using food. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you use your anger when you feel like you're using, losing control. Whatever it is, you know very well. I've been shown, and this, is, this has to change. Your prayer needs to be, Lord, grow me. Lord, grow me. I want to do this with you. The beautiful part to this is that, yes, you do do it, empowered by the Spirit. But he, Jesus has given us such a gift in community. And to do it alone, oh, that would just be so sad. I mean, look around. So maybe you need to step into a life group where you can have accountability where people can affirm you, love you well, but speak truth in love into you. Maybe right now you're going through a very difficult season. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've lost a loved one. You're grieving. These are times to not place yourself into isolation but to surround yourself with loving community. And I'm not saying hundreds of people, but maybe a Stevens minister, someone like a Stevens minister, could be a good resource. Someone who will sit with you regularly, who will care for you and pray with you and listen to you. Maybe uh, you have a hurt or hang-up. Addiction. Monday night at 7 o'clock here on this campus, there is a wonderful community called Celebrate Recovery who will warmly embrace you, speak truth and love into your heart, and walk alongside you in the darkest of times. All that stuff can be found on the Culture of Care card. It's located in the seat in front of you. Maybe today, 
Maybe today you're in a place to say, you know, I need to open my heart for the first time in faith. And I need to receive the gift of new life in Jesus. I need to allow the Spirit to fill me. And I need to leave this place. as a person who has the Spirit of God with them. And if that's you, I, I want to pray for you now. The band's going to come up. Today, if today is, you're saying, Matt, I don't want to do this journey alone any longer. I want to do it with Jesus, then I would ask you to pray right along with me. Let's pray together. If you'd like to open your heart to Jesus for the first time, pray with me. Lord, I am a sinner. And you are the Savior. Lord, I invite you in. I want to do the journey with you. I want to be loved by you. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me. The band is going to, we're going to sing this song together. It's really a song of presenting. It's called, Here's My Heart. And whether you're, you're praying, Lord, show me, Lord, grow me, or you just gave your heart to the Lord in faith, your life. Sing. And sing as you're praying. It's a beautiful thing that our prayers can also be sung. They don't have to just be spoken. So let's pray together. Let's continue to worship as we sing.